I definitely think that your mindset makes all of the difference. Whatever expectations you have, not only in relationships, but getting a new job, a dinner, food when you go out to eat, anything, absolutely anything and everything we do, I think boils down to expectations versus reality. What up, truth tellers? This is your host with the most, never acting like a ghost. Sunny days, sun diesel, son of the man, son of God in the flesh, and son of the sun. Check it out. This is the podcast that is sort of like the odd cast. Tell me the truth. Come check us out, people. We're doing good. We've got over 200 subscribers, over 1,000 page views. The next step is I want y'all to go to iTunes. I want you to subscribe to the podcast and I want you to leave a review. Now we have our Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter links already up on the website at the bottom. Just hit them. Boom. Follow me on Twitter. Hit me up on Facebook. Follow me on Instagram. That's how we do it. And leave reviews, leave feedback, you know, um, and something new that's coming up is we are going to start trying to live stream the episodes on Periscope. And I'm working on getting a live stream on YouTube. So hopefully we can put some visuals because I just did an interview or a podcast with Lil Poe. And one of his homeboys is like, yeah, man, you got to get the visuals. And I was like, yeah, you know, he has a good point. So we're coming with him, coming to get the visuals. So the one with Lil Poe, I got a little video I'm going to put on his page. But the next one I do, I'm going to live stream it and I'll be announcing that on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter. So subscribe so you can know that. Um, So here we go. Also, before we go, before we go, I want to invite everybody, everybody who is listening. I want to invite you to be a guest because we can do it via the phone. We can do it via Facebook. I can come to you. You can come to me. I want everybody who listens to this podcast, who feels it. To come on the podcast. If you're not, I mean, if you're shy, I understand. But, you know, if you're not, you got something to say, we want to hear it. Okay. So, this episode coming up is done with a very intelligent, uh, very strong woman who is a friend of the family and a friend of my wife's. A friend of my wife's and a friend of the family. Uh, Her name is Mallory. I'm not going to put her last name out there because she's not really trying to be out there. So... You know, but she did want to speak her truth and speak her mind. So this is episode six, expectations versus reality. It's with Mallory. It's a little long, but it's real deep, real entertaining. So buckle your stank belts and get ready to roll. I had the fan on for the first 10 minutes. So after that, I turned it off. My bad. Peace. I'm thinking about the good old days. Now quick they slip away. But I'ma be fine, I'ma be fine, I'ma be alright Slide it up and let it roll Let it burn real slow Cause we all know it's gonna be alright I thought it didn't apply to 
I know a lot of it applies to a lot. I know uh, the thing that popped right into my head is being in relationships with people because when I worked at Winn Dixie, I was an 18 year old guy, and uh, a dude that was like a, a, a you know a, 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 a older a uncle type figure because right. he was like in his 40s or 50s and I was like 18 or 19. But he said, "Court, when you first meet anybody." But in your case, when you first meet a girl, or when a girl first meets a guy, you're not meeting that person. You're meeting their representative. Okay. And I was like, okay, what are you talking about, their representative? Right. And he was like, well, they're not going to show you who they are at first. They're going to show you who they want you to think they are. Oh. You know, this is the, they're showing you this representation of themselves. Right. But not themselves. Right, and and I was like that. That's kind of like the a big thing of expectations versus reality, and I think it's changing because you know, like in the old ways when people got married, you got married and then you lived together and figured out who this person really was. Absolutely. Whereas in nowadays, it's more common to um, are, the, are the headphones working for you? Yeah, everything sounds good. No uh, echo. Yeah. Okay, can you hear yourself? Yes, I can. Cool. Uh, well, nowadays, I think people try to live together first, if they even do that. It's like test drive the car yeah, before you buy it. test drive the car before you buy it. And my mom actually told me that. She, I guess she was progressive. She said, yeah, you know, you should probably live with a woman, or you know, um, before you, you know, want to marry them. Because once you marry a person, you're tied in there. And this person may not, you know, have certain qualifications and capabilities like you thought. Right. Or their representative may do stuff, but they may not. Or their representative may clean up. They may they not. They may not. You know? Right. <laughs> you know, so. So, it's kind of interesting. I was listening to uh, a podcast, I guess, or a radio show. Okay. And they were interviewing a guy from India. And he was talking about, like, Indian marriage practices. And they have this kind of a marriage resume called Biodata. And it gives, like, your height, your weight, your education, your skin color. Because apparently in India, that's, like, a thing. Yeah, they have the caste system. So the darker you are, the lower caste you are. Yeah. So I thought that part was funny. But at any rate, they, a lot of them still practice arranged marriages. So it's like your parents will make up your bio data. And then they'll exchange it with another family who they you know think might be a good a suitable match okay so it's like match.com but the ancient version exactly yeah <laughs> the analog version the analog of, version of match.com so uh i just found it interesting also that you meet your bride or groom you know 10 minutes before you go through down the aisle like they don't live together that's unheard of they don't even know each other before they get married they get married and then the whole beauty of the arrangement is that they're married and now you get to learn this person now that you're married oh you know i guess if that is how their culture is set up maybe their maybe their mind is geared towards that because that's their culture or maybe it just sucks i don't know but um Cause you know, like if you're raised in a system, then by the time you're 18, you know, or probably a majority of the people that buy into it, because I would imagine these are Hindu people, 
being that they're in India. I think so Sikh, Hindu. Sikh, I'm not, Hindu. I'm not 100% sure about all of like the different cultural breakdowns. But I know that they were from some region in India. And anyways, it was about this new documentary that's coming out. But I just found it interesting that I don't know what their marriage rates are either. I don't know if they have like the 50% divorce rate that we have, but or whatever the figure is. But I was wondering if maybe it wouldn't be such a good idea to not live with somebody if marriage if this marriage is going to be like a commitment and you're not going to get divorced or anything then kind of sort of like what difference would it make like you're in this you're going to get to know this person and you're going to make it work at all costs at any cost and then i also wonder in different cultures because you know in this western culture that we live in it's changed because uh a man woman historical relationship now it would just be two people but you know historically a man woman relationship would be like a codependency to where you had your female roles your quote unquote air quotes female roles and your quote unquote male roles yes and i feel like now it's a lot more neutral to where they're just things that need to be done and whoever can get them done in the relationship him her him him her her kind of gets it done but maybe in some more traditional cultures right they still have these these uh roles and expectations that are gender based so maybe even when a person is arranged to be with a guy or a gal it's like well okay he has these qualifications so my mind may not be wired to worry about my feelings or emotions on that level i may just be worried about security because maybe right. I'm living in an environment where just having security, I'm not secure enough to worry about the other stuff, you know? Yes. Because, like, the other stuff matters when everything else is okay. Exactly. Because, I, I mean, just from being in relationships, when everything else is okay, that's when the little things can start to bother you. Right. But it's like, if we don't know how we're going to pay the rent, that's you know, the main... The, the little things aren't even there. It's exactly. just like, we're trying to figure out how to pay this rent. So I, I, I just wonder how does that play into it with other cultures? And then if people are in those cultures and they are secure, then do they start to feel like, well, I don't love this guy. I don't know this guy. Right. And I think, again, or this gal, right, this other person, person. <laughs> I definitely think that that's where your expectations come into play, because if you're going into this relationship expecting this person to be a certain way and then it doesn't match up with your expectations you know you're disappointed but if you're entering it with the expectation of you know our love will grow i'll have this great relationship just like my parents and my grandparents who did it this way you know so i definitely think that your mindset makes all of the difference whatever expectations you have not only in relationships but getting a new job, a dinner, food when you go out to eat, anything, absolutely anything and everything we do, I think boils down to expectations versus reality. Like, you know, and while you were saying that, it made me think about something like, let's say for a job, for instance, usually, at least it's been my experience, and even I kind of see it with people, when they get a new job, no matter what it is, it's pretty awesome at first. Right. And I think it's because we're learning. 
And as humans, we naturally want to learn yes. and be able to show, hey, I can do this. Yeah, like look at kids. Yeah. Look, look what kids. I can do. Yeah, look what I can do. Yeah. Watch me do it a thousand times. Yeah, exactly. So it's like I, a lot of people, when they get that job or when I get that job, it's like, man, bam, I'm doing this and bam, this is awesome. And then, I don't know, for me at least, after a while, it becomes easy. So then it's hmm. like, okay, I got this. It's like, man, is they, is they really paying me right? <laughs> How much do you make? You know, so it's like once it becomes normal, right. then we can worry about the little things. Yes. And, and like you said, that goes across many different, uh, you know, arenas. Absolutely. And it makes me wonder that our expectations sometimes, or is reality, I'm sorry, it makes me sometimes wonder, is reality, is it objective or is it subjective? You know, like, oh, this person is awesome, this person is great, this person is so interesting, and then the same things, um, you know, I had a, my boss back when I was an electrician, he told me that he was, you know, going through marriage counseling and something. Mm -hmm. And he said the counselor had him and his wife write down, you know, five things that they just loved about each other when they first met. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then uh, the same thing you love. They have the, you yeah. write down five things that drive you crazy about this person. And if they're not the exact same things, they like are connected. So it's like the same things that are awesome, you know, once our mental perception of reality changes, now these things are kind of annoying. Do you think it's your mental perception or do you think it's just your expectations? Literally. So you're living your life, you know, you wake up in the morning, I mean, you expect to wake up. You know, okay, we yeah, all yeah, yeah. <laughs> we hope we, that we, part's going to happen. It's not promised, but we hope it is. Exactly. So you wake up and then you go through your routine. And I think um, you just expect things to go a certain way. You ex When you do your coffee, you expect it to taste a certain way. You know, you take the same route to work. You expect it to take a certain amount of time. Yeah. You know, it's just like you're going through your day and things are happening. And I think like when you're in a relationship you still have those internal expectations about that other person yeah. but you don't necessarily voice them okay. um so you might be thinking like you're at work and you're like okay this person is still at home so i expect them to like have the house clean or oh, yeah. have this done this done whatever sure. whatever the case may be for sure yeah and then so but maybe you're not physically voicing these expectations you're just in your head thinking that this is the way it should be so then when you come home and you have like the stereotypical wife that's nagging the husband like oh I just, you were supposed to fix this seven months ago yeah, you know yeah, like on yeah. tv like, like the, the TV, list, exactly yeah. like the tv wives so um i just think that if we're talking about the realm of relationships if you have these internal expectations it's important to voice them in a respectful way that's going to be productive uh and just not think that whatever's going on your in your head this other person is going to automatically know because we're like two different people here we're like orbiting in the same solar system trying to figure out each other yeah. and figure out the best way to make things work so i think the most efficient way is to just always first of all recognize what your expectations are and be willing to voice them in a way that doesn't degrade that other person but 
kind of lifts them up and gets them to do what you want basically yeah, you just you just had a very excellent point in the fact of saying communicate these expectations without right. degrading the other person right which i think that's where a lot of arguments probably come from within relationships of, and not even just saying like a, a intimate relationship just even Any. a friendship or a, a mother boss a and parent employee. to a kid yes that's the one of the biggest ones when when you say correct the person without degrading them you know the the, the parent child relationship Yes. You know, and uh, because I, I see how I'm, I work in a pediatric doctor's okay, office. Okay, you work in a pediatric doctor's office. Yes, and so um, I see how lots of parents talk to their kids, and it's not really my role to be dishing out parenting advice. So I have to bite my tongue a lot. So what kind of stuff do you see? Oh, just people. You know, I told you to sit down. Um, just she like she sounded black. Uh, it's probably because I'm black so that's, but, or just like parents giving their kids these looks or this one parent grand, the looks. Yeah, like, I'm gonna slap you yeah, or just like really dirty like throwing mad shade at their 8 year old and uh, it would be like, like beaming them yes and it's like if that were me and you I'd be a little scared right now so yeah. imagine very intimidating yes not in a like cool way but like yeah. in a way that's kind of scary and then just other comments that the parent might make like we have this questionnaire that they fill out about watching television and that kind of stuff and um, so the parents will look over at the kid and be like oh how many hours of TV do you watch and then you're not going to tell me how much because you know I'll beat your ass or something. Just like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> like, it's like, what? Is this for real? Exactly. <laughs> like, is this real life? So definitely, definitely not just because this person is smaller and knows less than you yeah. does not give you the right to treat them any way that you want. But unfortunately that's what you run into and that's why a lot of kids grow up to quote hate their parents it's not really hate it's just they had a different expectation for what parenthood should be should be could be and and should have been for them and they don't even feel comfortable voicing those expectations to their parents so it's just a lot of frustration it's not that they actually hate their parents yeah and a lot of time for parents um, I mean, being that we are parents at this point, right. uh, you know, it seems like I feel like my parents weren't perfect, but they tried to do better than their parents. Absolutely. So I try to just do a little better than my parents. And I think that's how evolution works on that conscious level. Right. As long as everybody's consciously trying to trying to be a little better. Um, but yeah, we it's, but it's weird, though, because, you know, you listen to your parents tell these stories of how they were parented. And I'm like, wow, that sounds a lot like child abuse. And <laughs> that sounds like some shit you'd be locked up for right now. I know. You know? And not only that, it just seems very just barbaric. And then, but, but you know what? It seems like they they appreciate it, though. So it's weird how the human brain works. Because they're like, yeah, you know, but I got my ass tore up. But, you know, I'm, I'm so glad for those whoopings because da-da-da-da. But you know, like, that whole, you know what that reminds me of is that that captor syndrome when like oh, oh, oh Stockholm syndrome yeah. Stockholm syndrome yeah <laughs> where it's like oh you're the person who's been abusing me for the last 10 years but like I have love for you thank you, thank you yeah, thank thanks you. for that. it taught me a lot yeah so, so I don't know uh, you know because I definitely grew up getting spankings I didn't get a lot of them and I don't feel like they were brutal 
you know, they were running yeah. the mill spankings. Right, me too. Oh, but but I feel like it did instill a certain level of fear in me that given the a time, healthy fear. a healthy fear because the time you know the nineties. You know the 90s. You know, 80s and 90s were kind of crazy for the black male. And apparently, you know, 2015 is just as crazy. But, um, you know, uh, it definitely kept me from doing things that I definitely had access to doing. That if I would have just went, you know, with a lot of my friends, I would not have, you know, we wouldn't be talking right now. Exactly. You know, or I would be telling some prison stories. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? (laughs) So, so, I mean, but, but. I feel like after having kids, it changed my perception of how I was parented, you know. It Me went too. like up five points. Absolutely. You know, I was like, oh, wow, I, I think they did a lot better job than I was giving them credit for. Yeah. Me um, too. I was I, pretty harsh. But it took harsh. me to have kids to really see that. Absolutely. I was a harsh critic. It's well, I was easy a harsh to, critic too. Yeah, <laughs> it's easy to be a harsh critic when you have no idea what that other person is going through. Once you become a parent, you realize the amount of sacrifices that it takes to be a good parent. Yeah. And then even more sacrifices to be a great parent. A great parent. You know. And even in that realm, you have to lighten up on the expectations yep. a lot. Yes, you do. Because if you don't, then you'll either be like a tiger parent or... You'll get your child misdiagnosed with something because it's like, oh, they're da da da, and exactly. this person saying this, and this it's person like, saying. It's like, well, what do you expect? You want literally? I want to ask some of these parents. Like, you're on your cell phone. You're not giving this kid any eye contact. You're not touching them. You're not hugging them. You're not interacting with them. But yet, you expect them to just walk around and feel perfect. Like, you're the parent. Part of your job is, you know, touching, looking, interacting, being with your child. And, and I also think coaching, because there's an yes, old term called that. home training. Yeah. Which I don't know if home training is still, it's people are still popping off with home training. And I'm trying to do some home training, you know, as they get, you know, I'm trying to mold them. But it's just certain things that I was, you know, expected to do. Right. Like don't talk when grown folks are talking. You know, and chores like yeah. household responsibilities. Oh, oh, that's that's automatic. Yeah, that's automatic. My uh, my second episode was with Gino Mays, and that's my cousin, and his mom was serious about right. cleaning. Like I'm talking about, every time you peed, you clean the toilet. Right. It was for real. <laughs> for real. <laughs> but, it's you good know, though. But I appreciated that because now, if it's time to clean, it's not even a thought process. You know, I can be thinking about. 20 different things and just autopilot yes because we got like a regiment you clean every day before before they got home from work yeah oh, it was hammer time exactly <laughs> it it's, was hammer time and those yeah. were their expectations exactly <laughs> and they made them very clear <laughs> very clear that they became a reality and even at jobs um being able because being a parent is a lot like a job that oh, you just yeah. don't get paid for <laughs> but uh you know, when you're at jobs interacting with your coworkers, interacting with your boss, you know, I find a lot of frustration at my job. And I think it's because people are not able to communicate their needs or expectations. Needs, I feel like, and expectations are interchangeable. Now, would this be with your coworkers or the customers or the clients? Um, both. Both. You see it a lot. If you really start to pay attention to people's interactions, and try as much as you can to get the ego out of the way, you know, that defensive part yeah. of interacting with people. Because 
we work with a lot of downtrodden people who are coming to us because they are literally sick and tired and are having problems and need help. So uh, sometimes they'll communicate with us in a abusive way. You know, they'll yell at us, um, call us names, and I'm not I'm, I'm not trying to over dramatize, but just imagine like the worst customer service experience you can imagine. That yeah. sometimes happens at my job. And uh. it's just because uh, these people are not just able to effectively communicate because of all of the things that are going on in their lives. We're not on the other side of the desk able to effectively communicate because your ego's getting in the way and why are you yelling at me? And I have to constantly like remind my coworkers, they're not yelling at you. You're just the person who's there. You're just the person who they can direct some type of emotion towards. They're not mad at you. They're upset at the circumstances that they find themselves in. You know, yeah. so it's it helps when you're more sensitive to people's expectations than you can communicate more effectively. And do you feel that if they see that you're trying to help them, does it like kind of help soften them up? Because I know like I've been in situations where, you know, this is my third. Excuse me. <clears throat> It's okay. It's like my third time calling the blah, blah, blah for customer service. Exactly. And I keep getting my call dropped and this and that. So whoever I get on the phone with, they're getting the anger that's towards the last three people <laughs> and the exactly. company and whoever sent me the mail. They're right. getting all of that. And, you know, if there's a if they can be like, well, hold, hold, calm down, sir. This is what we're going to do. Dot, dot, dot. I'm going to take care of you automatically that's gonna like we are woosah it's gonna yeah. like oh man thank you i'm sorry matter of fact person I finally mean, wants to help yeah you know it'll but if it's just the person that is gonna reciprocate that tension that, back at exactly. you exactly then it's gonna escalate the situation thank you versus de-escalate the situation which is why you know my boss has a lot on her plate and she never noticed it but when i worked at the front desk i never got yelled at like maybe they might initially come up that way but at the end of it a lot of times they'd be smiling because i was able to identify the that simple fact they're not mad at you they're mad at the situation so treat them the way you would want to be treated in this situation and nine times out of ten people walked away happy and we have this other lady who's like a living breathing example of what not to do and uh, <laughs> ma'am uh, uh, you need to talk to me like that uh, uh, you, I don't need to hear that profanity and I'm just like oh <laughs> it's bad <laughs> it's really bad <laughs> you don't need to talk to me like that <laughs> yeah, it's like alright that's only gonna make this worse <laughs> yeah Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you're reciprocating the the frustration. Like they're frustrated for some reason. You're frustrated for some reason. And you know, nothing from nothing makes nothing. Exactly. If you can kind of take that in and turn it in, turn it around. You know, make like you said, just make them understand. I'm here to help you. I'm not the enemy. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not the enemy. (laughs) But you know, now I have a question. Uh, You know. You know, I, I read a lot of different books and do a lot of different research. And I came across this concept of, uh, 
it's a concept. That's of, the bugs. Yeah, that's the bugs after because <laughs> we don't have one. The, and if anybody listens to my podcast and you hear these popping sounds, it's the bug zapper. I, I keep forgetting to make these announcements. Right, the I think people listening might want to know like, what is that sound. Are my headphones messing up, man? Yeah, what is tasing that? somebody. Yeah. Um, it's the bug zapper because we're out here and we have the door open. And in Florida, if we don't have a bug zapper or something. You'll hear us slapping ourselves and killing mosquitoes left and right. <laughs> so, got to have the bug zapper. And it's a nice night in Florida, by the way. And it is a very say. nice. Is it fall yet? Has fall it is technically started? fall. Happy fall. Happy Yay! Fall. Yeah. So, they have this concept of called like no self. It's like... like What's a, this now? I. Um, who has this concept? I don't really even think it's really like attached to a specific religion oh okay it's, it's just, just like a belief a, system it's just like out a there type of theosophical concept that a lot of different religions may have right but you know I, I read a lot of books on a lot of different religions and then a lot of theosophical books which are just kind of people in societies that study all religions and kind of kind of compare them and mm-hmm. take the commonalities and take yeah. what works out and it's a concept of just meditating and not having not trying not to attach to yourself, you know, uh, just trying to go blank, you know, which is really hard. I like don't to, know if that's possible. It's very hard to stop the mind. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I'm not saying I've ever done it. No, no, no. It's just a concept. But I bring up that concept because one of the practices that's mentioned is is to have no expectations. Right. So that you cannot be let down. Right. Because, uh, and I, I mean, in, in my and have this more is, opportunities this is, to be surprised. Yeah. And this is very theoretical because, mm-hmm. you know, in life you kind of have to have expectations, goals, prejudices, mm-hmm. which um, I talked about, I think, in my words episode. Mm-hmm. But you kind of have to have these things to really make it in the world, you know, in reality uh-huh. to a degree. You got to have a little bit. Uh-huh. You know, a little bit. But the concept was was to attach no expectations to anything right. to see that from that point, there is no... Le- oh, yeah, sure. Get some more water. <laughs> okay. um, you can just ask for water. It's not... This is very uh, casual. You know, the people want to know if you're thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> I am thirsty right now. Um, but, but it's just like a practice. Yes. But... In reality, you kind of have to have those uh, expectations. Now, I mean, some are healthy if it's if it's moderate, and then you know you have like the tiger person. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think um, goals. Yeah, you have to have goals. There has to be some type of barometer of measurement. Yeah, you know about. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so now what it also makes me think about is how when you look across different veins or different lanes, mm-hmm. how it can help and how it can hinder when we put expectations on different situations. Because right. we kind of talked about what happens when you put it on people. Like if right. a parent puts the expectation on a child of a person or your spouse or your on the spouse or anybody that we come into contact with. But I even think certain situations have it and here's like a goofy example um i'm from bradenton which is like right down the road from tampa right? right so you know you always see these disney world commercials right and you know in the disney world commercial it looks really awesome yes everybody has like mickey mouse and you know goofy them dancing with them with all the balloons yeah. with confetti yeah and it's like that looks great let's go so i remember one time 
I think my aunt, grandma, uncle, and they took us to Disney World. Yeah. So we're at Disney World, and I'm like, these lines is taking forever. Exactly. You get like on three rides all day. <laughs> you know, you can't have all the snacks you want because everything's like twenty dollars <laughs> for a pretzel. <laughs> for a pretzel. Excuse me. <laughs> so my aunt was like, "Well, hey, Court, how's it going?" And I was like, "It's all right." And I guess it's all right doesn't really work when you have like regular working class people spending all this money and their it's like, expectations are oh, for you, you know, yeah, yeah to be having the time of your damn life, life right, now. right now they want to hear oh this is so i don't even want to go home right now you know i never i want to live here <laughs> yeah so but i think even in that situation being that my expectations weren't really met it had a mirror effect on them to where right. their expectations weren't met. Because they're like, man, I want this guy to have the time in his life. But I guess in retrospect, I don't really wasn't realizing how much it cost to right. do. That's not even a factor. A factor. You're just thinking, this is not like the commercial. Right. Which, oh, man. Okay. And that just led us to what? Okay. We're good. That just led me into a whole other thought process. Our time? Oh, we're great on okay. time. Okay. We're great on time. Um, is that I feel like I could I know as a child that we had a lot of TV yes. at least I did and I feel like that manipulates your expectations of life of life <laughs> of food you know because yes. think about how when you're a kid you see the advertisements for so food good. and you're like oh I want that <laughs> you know remember microwave meals were being yes. too like in the early 90s late 80s the microwave hungry meals. man hungry like, man yeah the one for the kids I forgot what the name of that one the, was yeah it had like a penguin or yeah, some kind of black pen- and white animal yeah, on it had the penguin I think mm-hmm. one had a duck um but it made it distorted stuff yes and that's abs- another reason I, I feel like I didn't uh, rate my parenting experience as high as I could have because I'm like this isn't like the best situation that I saw on TV. Yes, you know it's like this isn't you're not Carl Winslow or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Right. You know this isn't that. But I guess like I said when I had my kids, the reality of what it was is like man, these are just two kids that were in their twenties who had me and you know tried to figure it out and dot mm-hmm. dot dot, and you know here I am. But I feel like that television is really, really manipulated my expectations of what things were supposed to be. Yeah, I mean, I guess I don't want to say that it's bad because I I watch shows on Netflix and stuff. And like I grew up watching Disney movies, which I think are horrible for kids, by the way. Why do you say that? I just think that. I, with the exception of some of the newer, like Pixar, I guess, or whatever cartoons okay. have been coming out with, they've been coming out with recently. When I was a kid, you know, Cinderella, Aladdin, at the end, it's always, it ends with the marriage. That's like, that's like the culmination. That's okay. like, okay, you get married, he comes in, he swoops in <laughs> on his white horse, and, and then you live happily ever after, okay. you know? So, or, and then there's always like a big wedding, and a, you know, it's huge, and it's, there's, it's yeah, what it's always very pomp and yes a lot of pomp and circumstance and it doesn't show anything about what happens when the prince and princess get back to the castle and <laughs> someone's bitching because someone didn't do the dishes like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that yeah. never happens it doesn't show the reality of the situation right or 
maybe you never find that prince. Maybe you are single for the rest of your life. Like, that happens too. There are many scenarios where people, or they end up married and then they're not. Yeah. There's just so many different scenarios. That same tired storyline that they did on every <laughs> same single <laughs> cartoon. It was it's just real tired. And it was just too one dimensional. And for the fragile young mind that's so impressionable, having that kind of imagery and setting up those kinds of expectations for young girls and boys i think is detrimental to yeah it definitely puts archetypes in their head exactly of this is this and this is how it's supposed to be and if it's not this right then it's not right then it's not right you know it creates just a lot of duality and i think there's a whole lot of dualities like expectations versus reality feminine and masculine or whatever other type we like to think of in terms of black and white you know we like to put labels on things as a society that's like what we do Uh, and you know it's ingrained in us from childhood it really is but i feel like it's slowly changing because like i said i feel like a lot of the people or maybe i just hang out with people that's like me oh it Um, is yeah birds of a feather birds of a feather but i feel like you know nowadays the roles are kind of like uh kind of getting more mixed together in in practice Mm -hmm. like uh i've definitely seen situation a lot more situations where Men are staying at home. Men are staying at home. Mm -hmm. I did it for a year with my son. Right. And would have did it forever. It was really awesome not working for a year. Right. Um, But you were working in a different way. Uh, You know, I was working in a different way, though. It is Um, true. Taking care of a child. I mean, you can't clock out for an hour lunch break. Be like, see you later, kid. No, you really can't. (laughs) And and it's an all-day thing. Yeah. You are constantly moving. You're doing dishes. You're doing laundry. You're feeding. And yeah, it's all traditionally women's work. So it gets discredited. But it is hard work. Yeah, it is. (laughs) It definitely is. It definitely is hard work. And it's not to be discredited. Right. And I think that's why, you know, nowadays it's good that a lot of guys are getting to get their hands in. Yes. And And that a lot of women are going into the workplace because it kind of gives each sex a glimpse into what the other person's struggle is. Yeah, I mean, because, you know, I pick my kids up in the middle of the day and have for quite a few years, and I've seen a lot more dads, you know, that are off during the day. I don't know if they work in the evenings or not, but they're, you know, they're during the day dropping off and picking up. Which is so nice. Which is so nice, which lets you know that, you know, that's why I said I feel like now people are just filling in the blanks. I agree. This is this, that is that. The tradition, it's the tradition of things that's slowly starting to break down. And people are trying to create a vision, you know, their own vision for what works for their family and their life. And I also feel, too, that... um, they we generalize the traditional roles a lot too because that is true because i feel like my mom always worked her mom always worked my dad's mom always worked well i wonder how much this would vary across cultural and racial lines that's what and that's you know that's kind of what i was brushing up on because it depends on what your cultural background is to say when was it you know standard for the woman to stay at home because my grandma wasn't a stay-at-home. I mean, she did all that and worked. Yes. I mean, when I was born, she was in her 70s. This is my great-grandma. 
And I can remember waking up at like 7 and she'd already cleaned up the house, mm-hmm. cooked breakfast, and was going to work. You know, she like cleaned office buildings and stuff. Yeah. And I was just like, man, how, what? And you don't even. <laughs> and she was like in her 70s. Right. Damn, this is my great grandma. And right. she continued to do that into her 80s. And I mean, and I'm pretty, and she worked her whole life, you know, yes. her whole entire life. Just That's why I love what we did this morning going to Morningside. Yeah. Was they, it the cane bowl today? Uh, no, but they were having the kids do that corn, like stripping the corn cobs and then grinding it up into like cornflakes or okay. like cornmeal almost. Master. Yeah. Were they already dry? It's all dry. Okay. And so, it's okay, the, so it's like, they're like um, cast iron. Okay. Oh, okay. um, Grinders. (laughs) Okay, I didn't know that's what they was doing. They were doing that today, and it was real interesting to see, first of all, a lot of parents are very hovery on their children. (laughs) Okay. I've noticed this, like... That's that's, that's what's happening right now. There's a lot of... It's a lot of hover. Hovering. It's like, what if you just back off? And a lot of photography. A lot of cell phone photography. Yeah. Like, they don't even watch them with their eyes. They watch them through the screen. Through the lens. It's like, hey, look right... (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And this mom today, she was really like, like that. And she didn't even have a cell phone. She had like a real lens camera. Oh, she was like a Nikon or a Canon? Yeah. And she was like plugging her website. She's like, oh, (laughs) She was networking? Yes. She's like, I'm on blankety blank blank moms. And I have this website and I have this blog. And I'm pretty like 99% sure she was going to be posting those pictures on her blog or website or Facebook or Twitter or, or whatever other social media that she had. And it was just very like opportunistic to me. I'm like, first of all, and second of all, she wasn't really engaging with her daughter. She was basically just spouting out commands like, uh, so-and-so don't do this uh, or wait your turn or let this little boy go and then it'll be your turn. And like, in kids naturally can work things out if you give them the opportunity like i don't feel a parent should intervene and unless someone's getting hurt if somebody's getting physically hurt or someone's feelings are getting hurt then it might be a good idea for you to come in and make it like a teachable moment but not every moment needs to be influenced by the parents back off like watch from a safe distance make sure no one's slapping anyone and let them work it out it doesn't happen. It was just like kids with parent shadows all around them. Like I, they couldn't breathe. <laughs> <With parent shadows. laughs> like back <laughs> off. Like I really wanted to just be like, just give them some space. They're over here. The worker people were watching over and like telling them what to do. They're following instructions. Yeah, as long as they're not like you know. No in one danger. Right. Like I know if you're like really close to the cow, you know you may you don't want their arm to get caught between right. the fence and the cow. But as long as you're like you know it's an open area, there's not any foreseeable immediate threats. Back up and see how they interact. Exactly. And then my thing too. And here's another big thing that I've noticed: whenever a kid does something adorable or awesome, the parent immediately swoops in to congratulate. But or but sometimes. I think it's better to just stay back and see what happens next. Yes. Like, see where they're going to take this thing to versus coming in and saying, boom, 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 and like interrupting oh, the situation. Oh, that was so great. And uh, yeah. you're so smart. Um, it's, it's. You know, it's like just give them some space and let them do their own thing. Yeah. And then, you know, and then it gives the parent time. Yes. You know, to, to observe. Just, to observe. 
And also, this kind of brings me to this article I read on Psychology Today, okay. and it was about resilience okay. and about resilience. how people are becoming less and less, not people, but more specifically, college children. This was an article written from the perspective of like the college administration, and they were talking about how kids just can't deal with their lives, point blank. This girl, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> like this girl needs counseling services because her roommate called her a bitch. Or this kid feels psychologically damaged because there was a roach or a, a rat in his apartment. It's like, go buy a rat trap, get rid of it, or oh. call the landlord. But now you're sitting in the counselor's office crying because, you know, they're, they're saying they're having to do too much hand-holding, too much coddling, yeah. that kids are not able to deal with college. Like and I think... Trigger words, microaggressions. Yes! It's a lot of... I don't. I don't want to be vocal. It's a lot of just soft stuff, you know. Well, I think it's it is showing. It's telling about parenting and tech and the effect of technology. It's. I, I feel like it's like a mix. You feel like it's tied in with technology. Absolutely. 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 Okay. Now, how do you? Now, how do you? What role do you feel like technology plays in the softening of America? Oh well, <laughs> I think. More specifically, children, just because they are so impressionable. Um, but I think that, okay, so you have this device, a computer, a television, a cell phone, a tablet, whatever. Any of these devices that people have. It's you and the device. You're putting in commands and it's following your commands. Okay. You're wanting it to do something and it's doing it. You're not encountering any type of resistance it's not arguing with you it's not not complying with your demands sometimes it does but then you just turn it off turn it back on usually and then it works or okay. you call tech support okay. or something yeah. so Text anyways support. yeah or in the kids case you call mom and dad and they yeah. come and fix it so i think that this is the type of this is the majority of the interaction that people have now with the world around them so when they're forced to be interacting with other human beings in maybe the, not a, a friendly situation but maybe in a situation where there's some animosity or in a child situation where it might be hey I want to do this but it's my turn you know it's not just like a friendly interaction I think they just want to delete the problem and make it go away instead of really being in able to work as a team or a partnership and being able to effectively communicate your expectations, your needs, your desires, what you want at that moment um, and having either that reciprocated or not and if not, being able to deal with it and just keep it moving. But yeah. I just feel like technology is getting in the way of that natural process. The kids are, you know, too isolated even in their own homes, um, yeah. parents that are as well, um, checking their emails for work, checking this, checking that, doing whatever it is they think is so important on their piece of machinery. <laughs> yeah. But they're not really. And then that's on top of trying to cook, keep the house clean, this, yeah. that, work, pay bills. And then, and you know, I think it's it, what it's becoming, yeah. what it's becoming is that the machines are giving our brains this dopamine relaxing uh -huh. sedative trance state uh -huh. it's almost like taking a nap 
right. it's like an entertaining nap somnambulous like you know? sleepwalkers and as they get these virtual reality helmets you know this oculus thing have yeah. you heard of oculus no it's like a virtual I, I talked about it on a different episode it's like a helmet you put on i've tried a, a, a earlier version of it right and it's like the matrix man it's going to be really bad but um it's what is it like it's in it's your ears helmet. it's like a sensory it's like a, experience it's like or something? a pair of glasses that you put on and then you can I'm, okay I'm, I'm sorry i was off the mic it's like a pair of glasses that you put on and it, you just can see 3d you know because it covers no. your whole thing and yeah, you're just in a world, and I did it, and I was like, man, this is going to be like the Matrix. Man. Yeah. People will come in here and just prefer to live in a self-created avatar <laughs> world, which we, which you know, which social media is now. Yeah. Because if you think about social media, people only put the best of them up there. Right. It's an edited version you know, of a life. I've seen people have some of the greatest, most amazing pictures, and then a couple of days later, they're gone. Yeah. You know, they passed away for you know different reasons mm -hmm. but it's like man it seems so great in yep. your profile that's why they also said in this article that children entering college were coming in with unprecedented rates of anxiety and depression and being really? on medication for these problems well and then my question also is do you really have anxiety and depression or are you just being a bitch you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, you know, and I don't mean to, to be sounding so rough and mean, but I guess, I guess my whole point is water break. Um, no, I'm good. Oh, okay. I was just getting my leg out. I have okay. it. I was sitting on my leg, which is bad. Okay. Your, your chiropractic doctor wouldn't be happy. No, he would not. That <laughs> so, uh, I guess just thinking about how nowadays everybody has anxiety everybody's depressed everybody's right. on a pill my question is, and i'm not dissing you know anybody who's some people who, really who is do diagnosed because some people really do need them you know i feel like maybe i have a little anxiety but yeah. i'm more of a natural homeopathic way of dealing with my self-healer i'm a self-healer yeah you know? but I, I sometimes wonder are certain things being overdiagnosed. Oh, absolutely. I mean, ADHD being one of them, I don't even know if I think that's a real thing. I'm you know, still on the fence about that. I feel like they're... What I think they're, a lot of it's environmental. A lot of it's environmental. I feel like a lot of it has to do with watching television with yeah. rapid scene change. Yes. You know, like Powderpuff Girls and those like yeah. late 90s cartoons was a lot of rapid scene change. Yes. Constantly, like, boom, 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 boom. It messes with your like cognition. Or, yeah, your neurons and yeah. stuff. Um, but I, I I sometimes wonder are people being overdiagnosed with stuff just to get a pill? N yes, and yes. I'm not saying every person, but no. <coughs> it in general, because I mean, it's, like you said, if if there's a record high number of people entering college with anxiety and depression, like are these people really anxious and depressed? Or do they just not have coping skills? Right, they don't have coping mechanisms, and honestly, this goes way all the way down to like our economy and the way that we handle healthcare in this country and the way the doctors are taught and the influence of drug companies and insurance companies so this is like this is like a way this is a topic in and of itself that in you could yeah you could totally go into this oh, as okay a, as you a are podcast. in the medical field right so i guess you kind of have an inside look on ish, what that yeah. ish yeah. So you kind of get a look ish yeah. on what that looks like in practice yeah I mean, and I think it's a mixture of um, just being pressed for time and burnout, doctor burnout. I think that 
also in resources. I mean, especially when you're dealing with a health center like the one that I work at, um, uh, most of the people coming in don't have a lot of resources. They don't have a vehicle or a job or maybe they have a job but no vehicle or maybe they just have this form of Medicaid that's not very good. You know, there's like a, it's a multi-layered situation. So the doctors also have to see a certain number of patients in a day because of the in order to make money because yeah being a doctor sure we all need health care but they also need to make money they yeah you know they deserve to be paid for the work that they do yeah um but a lot of people don't look at it that way they feel entitled and they expect it to be free so when they come in they don't bring any money um and then so oh, in wow. turn that makes us have to see a lot of patients we're, do, we're trying to do quantity here. Okay, so, because there's a low... You don't think that a certain percentage of them are ever going to finish paying you. Right. So you just Absolutely, wanna, they won't. So you're really trying to front-end load yes. so, that, so that you'll win in the percentages. Exactly. Because you know you're not getting paid from X amount of people or X right. percentage of people. Exactly. So the doctors there's only... There's expectations for you. Exactly. Right. <laughs> the doctors literally have 10 to 15 minutes with each patient per day i'm talking you're seeing like four people an hour so or they're, more. Just, they're pumping they're pumping them through and i'm not saying that that's how it is everywhere but my best guess is that's how it is everywhere in the I united would imagine, states so especially if you're dealing with people who are dealing with medicaid or uninsured uh, yes. people because yeah. then you're pretty much guaranteed that you're not gonna get you know most Any of what you out of them. so you have to rely on funding and you have to rely on insurance and um, so, again, I just think that the misdiagnosis, the overdiagnosis, the underdiagnosis, the amount of clinic, like not clinical, but pharmaceutical drugs that are being administered just have a lot to do with the way this the system is set up. How can a doctor really sit there and ask you the kind of in-depth questions they need to and really get into your home life? and figure out how it is that you're living to see if it really is anxiety or to see if you can make some simple tweaks here and there, make some changes and whatever. You know, they yeah. don't have the time. It's not like a counsel. Right. They don't counsel you. It's like, okay, you're having this problem. And the way they're taught in medical school, I haven't gone through medical school, so I really can't speak on it too much. But my, my guess is that they learn a whole lot about medications and what medications are best for treating this list of problems that people are going to come at you know so they're 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 more like diagnosticians they're more like people who listen to your list of problems diagnose them with the closest diagnosis that they can find because in order to get paid on a claim you have to have a diagnosis code so it's it coming out of the physician's death reference um yeah i the pdr i think is the one that has the list of problems um that help you find the diagnosis okay. but now with electronic health care um you know, the diagnosis just pops up with the code next to it. Oh, so this is just like video game doctoring where they <laughs> just, they're pretty much just programming. They're asking you questions like anybody could do it. Well, <laughs> just, sort of, just but like they the do have to have knowledge of the okay, diagnosis okay. prior It's to. just not like WebMD. <laughs> no, 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 no. They do have to have knowledge of okay. the, the different constellation of problems, of problems. that makes sense that makes that okay. picture for that diagnosis but they're pretty much humping people through so it's yeah, like quick yeah. triage exactly boom, boom, boom. it's quick it's it's not in depth 
and they're basically just trying to help with the symptoms and not get to the root of the, the root problem. Cause. So does yeah. this end up mainly ending in prescription? Absolutely. Yes. That is why <laughs> people come to our doctor's office to get prescriptions. Okay. So yes. So they're so we're that, drug dealers. So is we're, that pretty much how it works? From <laughs> from from what you're seeing, it's like okay. Come in, boom, boom, boom. This is my problem. Boom, boom, boom. Give me a prescription. Bam, bam, Basically. Bam. And I mean, depending on the doctor, you know, some doctors will be like, no, you don't need a prescription. You need to have a better diet. They'll call in a nurse to do a care plan. The nurse will talk to you about changes that you can make. Print out some recipes. Print out what a calorie is. Okay. Just basically. And they're just rolling their eyes this whole right. time. Right. They're, they're like, like okay, I that's know not what. why I'm here. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> And then they walk out upset because their expectations weren't met. We're not they met. walk out like this doctor fucking sucks. <laughs> all, the, all, all Medicaid doctors suck. And like, you know, they're pissed. And it's because they don't have like a full understanding of what is going on here. Yeah. You know, and they're also not taking responsibility. And you know, that speaks anyway. to another bit problem that, yeah. you know, we live in a culture where everybody wants a pill. Yes, a Every, quick fix. A quick fix, like okay, I just want to take this pill and yeah. bam, and uh, I can't sleep, so I need to take a pill to sleep. Well, why can't you sleep? Right. Or you know, dot dot. Da, da, or restless leg syndrome. Or restless Give me a fuck. I don't know. I, I mean, I can't. But like, like I said, maybe you stuff. need to get off your ass. <laughs> your what? legs are restless because you've been sitting for eight hours watching Fox News. <laughs> Fox News. <laughs> I like that. Get up. Yeah, do get something. Up and move. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think a lot of it is like you said. Rather than fix the problem, and I mean, especially you know, I feel like people from our previous generation are really sold on pharmacology i feel yes. like our generation and the newer generation is we're getting like away from it more and more homeopathic versus mm -hmm. <clears throat> allopathic and that's what me and my chiropractor friend dr craig science talking about on episode three right. how people are trying to go more homeopathic with the healing and trying to just say hey i just want to be healthy so i don't get sick right versus get sick and oh the doctor and then has try to on, fix it on blood pressure medication that i can never get off of once i get on it an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure is worth a pound of cure and here like you said it's not even a cure it's just treatment yeah it's just treatment yeah but everybody's so ready to say oh he wants it still so Let's give them some Adderall or something. Mm -mm. Or, That's not the answer. Or, you know, I want to lose weight, so I'm going to do this and do that versus just exercise and diet. And hey. I know and I know, in that lane, that's a lot easier said than done, especially yes. when you have kids. We're oversimplifying a lot right Oversimplifying because I know I try to exercise more. And as you can see, my weight bench is covered with bicycles and bicycles. Right. You can't even see. It's like, what? No, it's, actually, it's right here. Well, part of it. Well, see, the real one is over your, there. Your Look. yard sale sign. That's not it. Look, way over there. Oh, wait. Okay. See, deeply buried. Oh. So oh, exactly. Yeah. That's how buried it now is. Now I can <laughs> see it. <laughs> that's my weight bench. So, I mean, I know even myself, I get so busy and this, mm -hmm. that. And you saw I woke up, went back to work this morning. So... I get so busy that it's like, man, it's very hard to do. And then it's very hard to deal with your diet because to have a really great diet, you really have to make the stuff yourself. Yes. There's no way around it. You know. If you're going through drive throughs and eating things out of a package every day, all the time, and you're not going to be at your healthiest. You know, and I, I feel like I've been guilty of that recently. Absolutely. It's, you, you know, know, I 
in my head expected myself to be the kind of mom that never gave my kid anything out of a package i'm gonna breastfeed her until she's like seven <laughs> and i'm gonna wear my baby wearing thing until she's just too big for me to handle you know just like i had a lot of grandiose expectations for being a mother and just really idealistic and yeah. a lot of that just came from i'd never done it before so yeah. i was just just imagining it shooting for the stars yeah and like now i'm like damn girl you want some chick-fil-a like, <laughs> so you know and, and i can definitely say that too because with our first child it was like uh like you said breastfed as long yeah. as possible then organic formula mm -hmm. like 45 dollars yeah. for a canister and then organic milk and this and that and i'm like well it seems to just be acting pretty normal there <laughs> seems to be the same as the rest of the kids <laughs> so with our second child i was just like well let's just do regular stuff right and i was just like you know seems to work all the same you know? i think it's all good it's all good but you know i definitely do try to stay away from as much processed stuff and gmo oh, yeah. stuff as possible but it's it's uh getting easier and i definitely feel like here in gainesville at least we have a lot of lot Fresh more natural stores because we got friendlies we got uh this other place that just opened up so we have a lot of places that offer wholesome natural food here yeah and also even the quote-unquote fast food or restaurants a lot of them are you know really good quality yeah it's not this little place up here right on the corner that used yeah. to be a barbecue place i forgot it's called the real restaurant and the real menu but they do this thing where they deliver meals you just have right. to order it a week in advance right and it's all you can go vegan paleo and Which it's weird because so cool. it's kind of the hood so i'm like man they they really trying to do some stuff right i like gainesville a lot i feel like having the college here and having the younger energy around and that's what i was gonna say also about all the food and things that we're so worried about feeding our children is like i once read this this figure but i don't know how accurate it is but it said you know chinese people or asian people smoke more cigarettes per capita which i still don't know what per capita means but chinese uh, or I japanese think, i think it's like per capita means like if there's 10 people in this group and 100 people in this group uh -huh. if three of the 10 people smoke cigarettes and let's say 20 of the 100 people smoke cigarettes the 10 people the three out of the 10 is more per capita than the 20 out of 100 because it's 30 percent here and 20 percent oh. here so they use that to say that there's different amounts because there's more people in china than here but they smoke we smoke no they smoke more, more per, cigarettes per capita. per capita than the united states but have lower incidence of cancer high blood pressure well do they get their cigarettes from the same cigarette companies well see that's what i was saying i didn't like research deep, this deep down into it no i just heard it in passing and i thought it was interesting and i thought it started to make me think that okay so we're so worried about what we're giving our kids but maybe most of the nourishment they get is of the sort that you can't feel or like that you can't see but only feel okay. like kind of like just like the energy you know yes. like when you go to certain places you feel a different vibration a vibe okay. or like when a person walks into a room you can like the mood might change or like you know like 
people give off vibes. Yeah. Sometimes somebody might come around and you start to feel nervous and you don't know why. And you're just like, oh, this person's freaking me out. And they <laughs> yeah. really didn't do anything. But you're just like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. So I think that maybe why? Why is it if this if this statistical piece of data is true and they do smoke more but are healthier why why is that is it is it a mixture of their diet you know is it something about the air over there is it something about the mineral content of the water is it something really scientific and tangible or maybe it's something that's more esoteric maybe it's more about their culture and the way that they treat their bodies and the way that they pay attention to feng shui and tai chi and energy and all of that stuff and they're really doing that kind of invisible work yeah. that we don't necessarily do here and people that do are kind of looked at as hippies or kooks or yeah. you know you fringe, know fringe. Fringe, fringe definitely fringe but you know um like i said in episode three with dr craig um he got into chiropractic work from starting at tai chi Ah. And then from Tai Chi, he got into Reiki. Right. Which then, is like the um, uh, energy healing. Yeah, the energy you don't healing actually physically touch, touch the person. Right. And then from there, he went into chiropractic. Right. And, you know, and now he's actually went full circle because now he's offering those energy healing and attunements also. Interesting. Uh, separate from his chiropractic practice. But it all originated with like the whole Eastern with philosophies. Tai Chi. Yeah, with Tai Chi. Yeah, and so maybe if we just heal our children's energy and try to take care of that emotion, that emotional, esoteric, invisible side, then maybe they'll be the healthiest they can be and still eat fucking McDonald's every day. You know, because McDonald's <laughs> didn't kill us. Right. You know, at the end of the day, McDonald's didn't kill us. We're here, and uh, and, and you know, because I have. Uh, I know, you know, we all hang out with different types of people. Right. So you may, I, I know people who have dietary restrictions. Heavy, and, yeah. And I understand that for health reasons. Some people have them for religious reasons. But sometimes I think that, you know, and let's just say, take the Bible, for instance. It has a lot of dietary restrictions in it. Yeah. But then in, in that same book, it'll say it's not what a man puts in his mouth that makes him unclean. It's what comes What's out of his what mouth. what comes out. Exactly. You know? So my thing sometimes is, is it doesn't really matter what you're eating if what you're doing ain't shit. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. It's like a person can eat clean and do this and that and just be a shitty person. Absolutely. So I think it really just starts with trying to get that inside clean. Right. You know, eating clean thoughts. Yes. And, and saying clean things Being and healthy stuff. starts in your mind and in your spirit. Mind. Not in, you know, going to the gym. There's plenty of douchebags at the gym. Let me just tell you. I think there's you. probably a higher quantity <laughs> Of douchebags. We should do a scientific gym. study on douchebaggery at gyms. Douchebaggery levels <laughs> at gyms and stuff and see how that works out. I'm sure um, we'll be good. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think we may be at an hour. Are we at time already? I think we're at, well, I think we're at about an hour, and I know you, uh, you may or may not have to get back. But I have a question. So, expectations versus reality. What do you think about the show? Because I think this is going to be episode six or seven. Okay. Um, and you're about the third guest I've actually had in the studio. Well, I definitely like the studio. Uh, I've been in here before, so I expected this. Okay. It was cool. Uh, and in terms of the show, 
Yeah, I think it pretty much matched up with my expectations. Yeah, very open, like I always say. Yeah. I like to give people an opportunity to just speak their truth because, you know, we put it up and then anybody on the world can, right. can give a listen because I think everybody has something interesting to add. Me too. Okay. So usually at this point in the show, if a person has anything to advertise or put out there, they can. Um, <laughs> I don't know. You may not want people getting at you on Facebook and Twitter. Right. But, um, they can't because I don't tweet <laughs> and I'm not a, on the face. Okay. So. Okay. So you off the grid. Well, in that aspect. Okay. Off the grid. Yeah. Um, are there any organizations, charities you'd like people to visit, maybe donate to? Interesting. If they're feeling the vibrations? Yay, <laughs> name? No, not really. I'm not... I probably give my donations through time, giving time and less okay. money. Um, I did a 5K recently, but yeah. I don't, I think it was for the Children's Alliance of okay. Marion County. Okay. So, you know, anything with the kids, definitely. I love kids. Okay. And I think anything that you can do to help out a kid, even if it's just a neighbor, you know, maybe spend some time with that kid and, uh, you know, you can make a big impact. On a you kid, know, by, with just a few positive words, and, and you know, I I don't want to hold you up too much. No, I'm not in a rush. Okay. Unless you guys, I don't know what your plans not, are for I don't tonight. Have plans. But, just, yeah. This is my plan. I think we're just chill. gonna chill Saturday night. Okay, well, okay, well, okay. Well, let's roll <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, this is my thing. This yeah. is something that I notice. This is something I see, and I I don't know. You tell me, am I a, am I? Tell me the truth. Am I a hover parent? <laughs> this is a problem that I have. Being a hover parent or uh, struggling know. with the question? Struggling with the question because well, well, I'm, I'm going to do it like this. Here's my issue. Right. Why is it that parents will let their kids play outside in the road and be in the house? Is that cool? Because right, when I was little, it was cool. Yeah. But I don't know if it's cool now. Or am I just a hover <sighs> parent? Well, okay or is it age is the age thing because you know my kids are like two and five so they have a pretty big gap because if a five-year-old okay so i think it is okay to let them play out in the road in the type of neighborhood that you live in because you're really not now should i with me in the house or with me on the porch with me in the um, road is in the road being a hover parent to its to a certain extent and it also depends like are we going outside as a family to do like a family activity absolutely you should be there interacting but if every time your child ventures out the door you're right there that's a little hovery is that a little hovery? to me um but also the age of course a two-year-old shouldn't be like chilling outside while you're inside doing the dishes that's probably not cool but um five six and depending on the child and like the you know maturity. there's a, right there's a lot of factors that come into play if there's a other children outside and it's kind of a group thing and you're by the window do i think you should be inside like with your headphones on doing a project no but you know, just sitting by that window, keeping a watchful eye, but from a distance. And I think that, um, yeah, having your kid play outside, you give them the boundaries, you give them the parameters. You tell them, you know, this is where I need you to stay. This is where I can see you. This is where you're safe. And this is why. And I think um, kids will rise to the occasion. No, I think a lot of times we underestimate our children. Um, because we just by in just by not giving them the opportunity to try things that we might perceive as dangerous. That's dangerous. But it's probably not. <laughs> now what I have done here is, you know, I have the fence. Yeah. So so what I like to do is let them come in the backyard and play 
without you. Without me. Which is nice. Um, you know, and I still look out the window. Right. You know, here and there. You're still you know, watching. I'm still watching, but yeah. I'm giving them the appearance and illusion. Uh, oh. You know, we got ant piles and stuff, too, so I kind of have to look. You don't want somebody to get into some ants and get lit up. But I like to give them the illusion of being out there by themselves. Right. And seeing how they can handle that. But, I mean, um, I was sitting outside once with my daughter, and she was running next to another kid. And that motherfucker. Oh yeah, ah, got kind of skeeterish. I, I know they're all there. of a sudden getting they're at like, us. Like uh, bypassing the bug. <laughs> so uh, she's running, and um, she fell in an ant pile. Her hand was completely eaten oh, up. Oh wow! And I was sitting right there outside with her. It happened in a split second. Yeah. So it's also weighing like. Unless your child has some type of allergy, because like there's so many caveats, there's so many exceptions. There's a lot of nuances. Yes, I'm not bashing parents who stay out with their children in any way. But for me, in my particular circumstance, I have a child who happens to be like kind of wise in a way. Like she's more cautious and she always has been since she was a baby. Maybe if she was kind of like a daredevil risk taker, okay. I would be less relaxed with her. But I know that she has enough self-preservation in her to not really do something that's going to kill her. And she knows what will because I've taught her that. Yeah. I've taught her, like, if you jump <laughs> off of the roof, you will die. It, you can't fly. Straight like, you, yeah, <laughs> like, if you climb this tree and jump, you might break your leg. And then you'll have to go to the hospital and get a shot. I just basically say you're gonna have to get a shot. Yeah, That's how yeah, I really yeah. drive that point home. <laughs> if you do that, we're gonna take you, get you a shot. So it's on you. Make the decision. Make the decision. It's true. Just I think as your kids grow and get older, our job as a parent is to empower them to make good choices and and trust them. If you have enough trust, faith, and belief in your children. Nine times out of ten, they'll do the right thing. Be, and if if you're communicating those expectations with your child, with your child, children, um, yeah, I think that's stepping back, kind of let them fly. You know, back in those frontier days at Morningside, six-year-olds were chopping fucking wood with axes and yeah. shit. Like yeah. it was no thing to see a six, seven, eight-year-old with a piece of heavy, like. To, uh, like a tool that we today would go crazy if a child ever touched. Yeah, we go crazy if they have scissors. Yeah. You know. But, you know, I'm not, you have to definitely weigh everything. I'm not saying like kids are little adults because they're not. You do have a role as a parent to teach them what things can hurt them or kill them and how to use things and show them. And once you've done that, then you need to back off. <laughs> not kinda, you specifically yeah, yeah, just, but as a parent you yes. kind of need to see what they're taking in how right. they're processing and using the information you give them because right. they are really listening they are you know even I, when they I, don't do what you say they're listening they're listening and they know better because yeah. I mean, when I was a kid I knew better you, you just know. wouldn't always do better. I always wouldn't do better. <laughs> I'd do better. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. Well, okay, cool. I think we're well over the one hour All mark. Right. And the well, mosquitoes are really starting to pick yeah. up out here. So, yeah, like I said, you don't want to be contacted. So, don't get at her. But if <laughs> you know a kid or somebody out there that needs some attention, some compassion, and you're not a creeper, you know, dedicate some of that time. Yeah, why not? Word up. I got faded. Tattoos. I got holes in my shoes. Got a beat up guitar, and I can sure sing the blues. <laughs>
Yep, Truth Tellers, episode 6 in the books. Another one bites the dust. Expectations versus reality with Mallory. I like how that went. It went long, like I said, and you know we had the fan making noise in the beginning. But I think we got a lot of good stuff covered there. A lot of good stuff from expectations and relationships, interactions, all the way to hover parenting. Um, so y'all want to thank Mallory again for coming in and taking time out of her busy day to, you know, just sit out here with us and speak some truth to life. Um, so remember, come to the website, www.tellmethetruth-podcast.com. Hit us up with a review. Subscribe if you want to. Download if you don't. You know we got all the links to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, everything else, we on iTunes, leave a review because that's how we're really going to be able to monetize and elevate this thing by those iTunes reviews. People respect iTunes. Also, not this next episode, episode seven, but I'm going to try to do episode eight live on Periscope and possibly live on YouTube live stream. And we're going to start attempting to put the full episodes on YouTube so people can watch them also because we've been getting some requests that they can see it, not just hear it. So do that now episode seven the one we're doing next is gonna be hood hero or something i don't know what i'm gonna call it i either gonna call it hood hero or the hood need a hero something like that we'll find out next week um but that's gonna be with Lil poe and we went live on scene in arbor green first time doing an on location podcast so i think that's gonna be really in- interesting and once again if anybody out there wants to be on the show hit me up it's an open invitation to everybody so once again, this is Sunny Days, Son of the Sun, Son of Man, Son of God in the flesh, telling everybody to just live love and enjoy your life. And remember, if you cannot tell the truth, do not talk about it. Peace. Right.